Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to talk about Stranger Things. Yes! Which is a great show on Netflix. It is. Set in the 1980s. Um, admin? Yep. I'm becoming less interested every time we admin. <laughs> Here's today's admin. Actually, no, this one's exciting. We have a new Twitter. New Twitter home. Um, so follow us at the Story Toolkit on Twitter. Um, and uh, as always, we've got the website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. Get in touch. Tell us things to talk, uh, ask us to talk about things. If you've got any questions or topics or shows or films the admin's trailing off now jump in anytime no, no I'm, I'm watching the drama <laughs> <laughs> you're not even throwing a life jacket no are you done glub glub yes <laughs> okay so that's I would just, it'd be nice to get through i've I listened to a couple of our podcasts recently and this preamble is getting longer and stupider every time <laughs> and you know let's just get into it let's get into it yeah okay <laughs> The admin's good though. You happy? Um, yeah, I'm happy. Good. No, no reading. All right then. So, Stranger Things. Yes. Is a show on Netflix. It's eight episodes. Yeah, only it's eight. It's very good. I mean, you don't need any more, but it's surprising because the norm seems to be what thirteen now. Norm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the normal. Yeah, I know. I w- I've been uh, watching Bored to, to Death, and that's Ted Danson in it. Right. By the way, Bored to Death is very good. We should do one on that. And you're worried about me derailing. Uh, I'm not derailing. I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm hoping that the listeners will go, yeah, Bored to Death is amazing. Why don't they talk about it? And then they'll tweet us. Oh, I see. How's that, Fred? <laughs> that was a needy uh, a needy ask for an audience member to say, please talk about Bored to Death. <sighs> anyway, Stranger Things, <laughs> eight episodes. Yes. It's terrific. It's very good. I've got to say, actually, I, w- I saw the first episode mm. and it didn't grab me. And we waited. Um, it really? was, only, yeah, yeah. We we were, I think, in the middle of watching another show. Saw that episode, and it was a good couple of weeks. And out of a kind of necessity to watch something, we yes. run out of other things to watch. We went, okay, let's watch episode two, and that's when the claws. Yeah, I I know. I liked episode one, but I noticed with episode two, I was just going, oh, I'm hooked. Yeah. Episode two, yeah. totally did. I'm hooked now. Well, yeah. well done, Stranger Things. Duffel, Duffer Brothers, isn't that? Isn't that it? Duffer Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Duffer Brothers. <laughs> yeah, they did a great job with it. Really good job. Uh, so there's a few or a couple of things we wanted to talk about with Strange Things. Yeah, but I think um, the most interesting thing we can talk about is the cluing. Clues. So, cluing, um, when you have a mystery, you know, a whodunit, whatever, you have clues. And all kinds of clues. And a big way, uh, the, the, what separates the wheat, wheat from the chaff, as it were, with mystery stories, is how well they do the cluing. So, the, the, the way you want to do cluing is, one, it has to be really clear, so that people can follow it. Because... When you're in a mystery situation and you, you are intrigued, okay, that's what you're feeling. You're intrigued by what happened, to whom, why, etc. You are not confused. There is a difference. See? When you are intrigued and you don't know what's going on, 
you're aesthetically confused in this sense. You know what you don't know. You know what questions you're meant to be asking. When you're actually confused, you don't know what questions you're supposed to be asking. That's bad. So Stranger Things does great intrigue because you know what you're supposed to be asking. What is the creature? What's up with Eleven? What's the upside down? Where is this thing? What's the etc, etc, right? Whereas bad cluing would be J.J. Abrams' entire cachet of work, which is, here is... Are you looking to see how long it took for me to mention J.J. Abrams? I absolutely was. I thought so. Four and a half minutes. Boom. Okay, so bad cluing would be would be things like as we talked about in the Force Awakens podcast, where you're asking questions like why C three O C three PO's arm red, mm. and you're not sure if you're meant to ask that question or not because he walks on with a red arm, specifically mentions his red arm, but then nothing comes from it, and you're going wait what? And then they blow up a planet, but you don't know the name of the planet, and you're thinking, did I miss someone say what the name of the planet was? Am I supposed to know? So you That's want, confusion. You That's, want the audience asking the right questions. You want the audience to know what questions they're meant to be asking, yeah. and then you want to answer it just before... That's the next bit. You want them. You want to give them an answer just before they could have worked it out. Right. Because if they can work it out, and then you haven't given the answer, then they're going to get bored. Okay. So you want to give them the answer just before they work it out. And then what the audience wants is they want that answer to pay off all the things they've been paying attention to. Can I just... Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I scoffed at the Abrams thing. Um, yes. I was going to bring up um, Lost just yes. briefly on the whole questions thing. Yeah. Wait, was Abrams involved with Lost? Yes. He was. Okay. Yeah. Um, with Lost, when the audience asks the question and they get to that kind of stage where they really want to know the answer to mm. the question... And then it wanes. Then, like the enthusiasm. Yeah, goes. if you tease the answer, that's a good point. If you tease the answer for too long, uh, then the audience will get bored. Because the reason is, it's not because you're teasing for too long so much as it is you're repeating the same clues or you're not giving them new clues. You're right. not progressing the mystery. You see, the way the way it sh should work. And I say this as someone who did a whole podcast on Columbo, and all it was was me telling you episodes of Columbo, because I love Columbo. <laughs> I love my murder mysteries. And the great thing you want is the mystery develops as you learn things. So you learn new information, which in turn deepens your understanding, and then you want that joy of... Oh, I think I've worked it out. Then they go, here's the answer. And you go, oh, of course that's the answer. And your mind rushes back with insight. And you when go, you, of course, I see the double meaning in all the clues that I missed. When you say the mystery develops, yes. um, do you just mean in terms of giving the audience extra clues or are there other ways to do that? No, what I mean is, is it progresses in terms of it goes deeper into the characters' lives or it goes wider into society or the meaning becomes more and more important or... Um, it matters more. It's not just a constant repetition. For example, uh, what was that? Okay, I'm going to maybe spoil a bit of this film. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. The Nice Guys. <laughs> nice Guys is probably that and The Hateful Eight are by far my favourite films of the year. I loved Nice Guys. Nice Guys is one of the... It's just beautiful and it's done so well. Um, and that progresses the mystery at first it's just about a dead um uh porn, porn star and then it spirals out to encompass um this huge uh government 
conspiracy and so on. Chinatown does a similar thing. I was just about to bring up Chinatown. Yeah, Yeah. Chinatown does a similar thing. So the mystery progresses. Typically, there's... So in the same... Sorry to interrupt again. But um, uh, in the same way where you want any plot that you write to progress... Yes, in terms of um, in terms of this genre, you want the mystery to progress right. to go out or in. The, or yeah, the mystery just keeps building and building, and it matters more. It spills out into either more of the world, or gets deeper into the characters' lives, or both, or whatever. You know, it just it, the idea is 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 that you can't. You can think of it this way: you can have an Act One clue and an Act Two clue and an Act Three clue, yeah. right? Clues in Act 3 shouldn't be able to work in Act 1 and vice versa. Sure. So there's a progression between these things, but you're still cluing the audience in. They know the plot, they're following the plot, and they know what they don't know. They know what they're meant to be asking. They're not just confused and bamboozled by random things. And they go, oh, what does that mean? That game of his... That's what Lost did. Lost gave uh, fake clues, which was they were going... Here's, here's a random thing. What does that mean? <laughs> and you go, what does that mean? Then you realise it doesn't mean anything. It's very easy to do that with an audience, though, yeah. isn't it? But then when you do that, people get bored. Because yeah. they go, oh, why am I investing my time in this show when you haven't invested this time in, in the show? You're not paying attention to your own clues. Why should I? Yeah. And then they tune out because they've had enough. It's like they, and also, the other thing is, you're giving these big, constant clues, getting people involved. I mean, they go, but it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter if you find who did it or not, because who cares? The, the solution is never going to be as entertaining, you know. The solu- yeah. the solution has to be as entertaining as the is the thing. It's one of those things where, like, if you have whenever you're watching something and they conceal someone's identity, and it's a major character, my immediate thing, my immediate thought is, okay, there's a reason they've concealed that character's identity because the 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 knowledge of that character is going to be cool. A uh, really good example of this, I thought, was the first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes film. Sure. So I was watching it, and it's fun, and it's light, and all this stuff. And they have a secret villain in a carriage who you never see, right? And it's Sherlock Holmes. So I'm sitting there, why is this Sherlock Holmes? Like, why would you spend money to get the Sherlock Holmes name and so on, when this is really nothing to do with Sherlock at all? This isn't like an adaptation of Sherlock. This is really bizarre. It's really highly stylized. Why go to the effort of making the Sherlock? And then they have this guy in the mystery van. You go and it's like, that's Moriarty, right? That's who it has to be because yeah. there's no one else. And the reason, and I was like, the reason you're not showing his face is because you haven't cast Moriarty yet. <laughs> like that's, the, and I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. I trust the writers. There's got to be a good reason for this. And I sat down, I was watching the film, and then I realized, of course, I get it now. Watson's the villain. Seriously, if you watch the first Sherlock Holmes and say Watson is behind everything, he's behind Mark Strong's villain, it makes perfect sense. Because Watson is the one who verifies that Mark Strong is dead, and he didn't die, right? Right. Uh, Watson, there's situations where Watson gets into trouble and isn't around to help Sherlock and all that stuff. And I thought, that's why you have to make it Sherlock, because no one would see Watson being the villain. If it was someone else, you'd immediately think Watson's the bad guy. Right. right. So I'm like, oh, that's it. So the guy who we haven't seen all this time, it's not Moriarty. It's going to be Watson. That's going to be... Oh, it's just Moriarty. <laughs> and I was just saying, why did you conceal his identity? Because you didn't cast him. You've made a false mystery into the story that you're not paying off. Yeah. There's no reason for that. So, 
Um, so that's that's the nature of it. If you're going to conceal something from the audience that the audience thinks, oh, I should know that, then they're going to start looking for clues anyway. Just on a slight, um, uh, on an, uh, just a slight tangent, um, yeah. I, I was uh, reading um, submission guidelines. This is years ago now, but it stuck with me. Um, submission guidelines for a, for an online magazine that were taking short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, one of the bits of advice they get, or rules, I guess, was that um, you shouldn't use the fact that it's a uh, written form to conceal something that you would see if it was a movie. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I um, that. yeah, and I, and I remember, uh, I remember seeing that very thing done, seeing it, or reading that in a uh, in a mystery that I read some years ago, mm. um, where the opening scene was the crime being committed. Uh, and I read this chapter, and I carried on, and I, you know, you were given your cast of characters in yeah. the opening chapters, and I suddenly thought, wait, hold on a second, they didn't specify the gender of the criminal at the beginning, right? Therefore, and they're leading you towards this male. It's uh, going to be a woman. I, I thought it's going to be a woman. There was only one possible suspect after that, yeah. so I read the rest of the book, knowing in the back of my head it was probably yeah. this character. Turns out it was, and I thought it was. You were it right. It was. Yeah, 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 I was right, and I. Um, uh, and I remember going back to that bit of advice. If this were a movie, it would be much harder to do that. I mean, you could film in shadow or something like that. But yeah. it just came back to that sort of... It almost feels cheap when you just it conceal is. that bit of information, it, it, not for a good reason. You're quite right. It does feel cheap because um, the, you realise the only reason you didn't know or you didn't work it out or whatever is not because you... Because the whole point of the intrigue mystery game is you want to try and work it out. There's... The, the intrigue mystery writer, what they're doing is they're having a lot of fun, which is they are creating a situation where the audience really wants to work it out, but will be disappointed if they can. Yeah. Right? So Such a tightrope. It's such a tightrope. And at the same time, they get really disappointed if uh, the solution is stupid or wasn't worth their time or whatever. But mm. also they get disappointed if you trick them. Because then they go, well, how could I have worked that out? Right. You just hid that thing. How was I supposed to work that out? You're just you're not giving me real clues. You're tricking me. So the solution where Moriarty turns out to be Watson, that's not trickery. That's misdirection as it should be. Yeah, you think it's Moriarty sure. and everything. You know, there's so, like it's not a big, it's not a trick to say there's someone behind. I think his name was Blackgate or Blackstone. It's not a trick to say there's someone behind him manipulating him, and you don't know who that is. It is a trick to kind of just go like, well, I'll conceal a simple expositional fact about the, the criminal, and um, uh, and at the end, that's the the like for example, in your example with the uh, woman, yeah, okay, say they hide the gender, but now I say there's six suspects, three of them are women, right. You pick up on the fact that, oh, it must be a woman. You still have three suspects left. Exactly. Right? And you don't have, if you don't have the suspects, you don't have a mystery. So it, it doesn't matter how many clues or leads or what, if there's only one suspect. Yeah. Right? So, so that's, that's the, I mean, cluing isn't just about hiding exposition and then delivering exposition with a second meaning. There's leads that are avenues of where you're going and then there's clues which is telling you things and then there's suspects like what possible solutions there are so for example you can have a lead that leads you towards two different suspects right and then the clue narrows it down from those two suspects right Hmm. 
so if you only have one suspect, it doesn't matter what your leads and clues are because it has to be that suspect. And if it turns out to be another suspect that we didn't even know about, then that sucks. Okay? You can have a suspect hiding in plain sight and we don't know they're a suspect. That's really cool. But at the same time, you just see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you have to have multiple suspects. If you have only one lead and no other leads, well, then it's obvious where it's going. If you have only one clue. and So you have to have a myriad of them. And then you have to kind of be very clever in how you put them out in front of the audience so they can follow it while at the same time not actually knowing what's going on because they're, they're, they don't know stuff. So it's really, really intricate when you think about it. It's yeah. really tough. And you have to, and the only way you can do it is you have to know what the audience is thinking. And nine times out of ten, you hope that you can... Like, sometimes you'll you'll put on a show, uh, a mystery thing, and someone will just get it in the first <laughs> in the first ten minutes or whatever. They just... I worked it out. I saw the clue. It's, I remember watching uh, the Benedict Winglewap and the Martin Scoozleham, you know, the Sherlock one. That they yeah, did. yeah, yeah. Okay, I was watching that Sherlock, the season two finale, uh, and it was called... Uh, what was it called? It was called uh, Reichenbach Fall? I think it was called Fall the Reich. I've, I've not seen the. It was the named TV after. Show I know it's named after the famous. Sh- it was. It was like a play. It was called Reichenbach. I think it was. Oh, can't be that famous if you don't know the name. No, the the original story. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was called the Reichenbach Falls, um, and that story is famous because it's the story where Sherlock and Moriarty fight across over the Reichenbach Falls, and Moriarty and Sherlock fall to their deaths. That's right. the f- iconic end of Sherlock, right? And it turns out Sherlock doesn't die like that. So they, they called it this one and it was, okay, they've built up. This is going to be the final fight between him and Moriarty. Um, and they opened it really quite nicely with the idea that Sherlock has become famous because he's found the Reichenbach Fall painting. I, a painting of the falls. He's not actually going to go to Reichenbach because this is set in the modern day in London. Hmm. So they, they allude to it that way. So I'm watching it and no joke, within five minutes, I went, I've worked out how Sherlock fakes his death in the, at the end of this episode. And I didn't know... Like, I don't know where the show is going. I, I haven't seen it yet. But I know, here's how this is going to end. It's going to end with Sherlock faking his death. Because I know that the, the story is about this. So I cracked it in five minutes. So I watched the thing. And I watched it with my mum. And she's really upset thinking Sherlock's dead. And I'm like, he's not dead. And then at the end, you see him at the grave. So how did he survive? And I went, well. <laughs> and I just gave it out. And I'm like, that's excellent. Then I, I said this to Will and, other, and I was like, for like two years, I'm telling him, this is my, this is how he got out of it. And they went, that's brilliant. And then the show came and I went, yours was better. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really arrogant and stuff. But mine was, it was essentially the same, but slightly cleaner. Yeah. Um, the, 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 theirs has a couple of logistical plot holes in it, but mine was like a little bit cleaner than that. But I worked it out in five minutes how he's going to get out of it. Um, and that just, but that doesn't mean it was bad. No, that it doesn't just, also mean that you're super smart. Or super smart. No, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, anything. you are. We, <laughs> no, we all know this. No. Well, yes. Like, <laughs> I'm just too humble to admit how amazing I am. But it doesn't. The point is, it happens. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, there was a film I was watching, and someone just. Oh, what was it? I can't remember now. Someone just saw the end of it coming a mile away, and I can't remember what it was. You get this all the time. My, you know, yeah. my mum my watched The Sixth Sense and turned to my sister oh, after the death scene and said, nah, he's a ghost. My mum <laughs> then forgot for the entire movie and was really blown away with the twist at the end. That's my brilliant. sister, on the other hand, had this in the back of her mind the entire movie That's and it was brilliant. ruined. That's brilliant. 
Yeah, so it happens. Sometimes people will not pick up on the most obvious things. Sometimes yeah. people pick up on the. It happens, it and happens. you shouldn't over. I yeah, mean, you should just. You're just. You're ju- basically write the best story you, you can, and you not do, worry about. You try and think about what the audience is thinking at, at every step, uh, and generally, you have this bizarre thing of the audience is focusing on things that you're not focusing on because you're writing it. Yeah. So you notice things that they don't notice, but they they will never notice, and then they notice things that you forget to notice because. You know, you've yeah. done this. Thing. So, the is only it one... worth uh, is it worth thinking of the audience as a bell curve? You're going to get those... in a way. I mean, what I would suggest is you just you you would write it and then you would pitch it to people and see what people and think, see. sure, and try and work out when they're losing focus and all that stuff. Okay, but it happens. Like people will make up their own solutions, and sometimes they get it right. Sometimes <laughs> the worst thing you can for is if they get better than you. But it happens. Everyone is capable of doing this, depending on what they're watching. Sometimes you just see the thing coming. That's all there is to it. But, um, for, for me at least, I don't mind if I see something coming, provided that I go, wow, this is really well sure. done. It doesn't bother me, because I'm like, oh, I just happened to get it beforehand. It's okay. So, But that's generally what people want. They want that sense of, oh, just before they could have got it, yeah. you give them the best answer. They, could, they You give them an answer they didn't even realise was the answer. And then they go, of course, that could have been... The, that's the only answer that could have been. Let's swing the shit back around then. To Stranger Things. And point it at Stranger Things. So Stranger Things has a really great way of cluing. Because um, it's a TV show uh, with a big cast. And um, it's got this really weird... It's not just a mystery in terms of, oh, a boy has gone missing... But it also involves a government, it involves experiments, it involves some weird alien creature, it involves supernatural things, and all this kind of weird sci-fi stuff. So, there's a real sense of, you really don't know, like, you don't even know what happened to the boy. Um, And there's all kinds of twists and turns that happen over the course of the story. And so there's a lot to keep in your head going, but it's really, really clear. And... The way I, found, I, yeah, I just want to pause on that. Yeah. Going back to what you said earlier about the audience being intrigued about the right things and not being confused, mm. I thought the mystery or mysteries mm. were just so clear yeah. and it wasn't con- confused at all. There was so much going on mm. with the because I would I would class so you've got Will going missing. Mm. That's the, the that's yeah the Will goes mystery. missing yeah. But when you when earlier you were talking about progressing the story mm. outwards and inwards, well you get both of those in a sense in Stranger Things don't you you've got the conspiracy with the government building but actually also they go into the character of Eleven yes so they do they they fulfil both yes and they go into the lives of Hopper yeah exactly and things like that so yeah there's uh, because they make it personal for him so there's all there's all these kinds of uh, uh, wonderful things that are going on but the way they clue it which I thought was really brilliant is you've got You've got the kids. You've got that's one section of the story. The kids, yeah, uh, with eleven. You've got the sheriff Hopper. You've got the mother, Winona Ryder, yeah, of of the missing kid Will, and then you've also got um, Natalie and the daughter of Nancy. Uh, Nancy, beg your pardon. Yeah, Nancy and uh, who's who's the guy? I'm just looking up the character names. names. Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Nancy and Jonathan. Uh, so you've got. What, four distinct groups? Is that right? Five distinct groups? The kids, Sheriff, Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder, uh, Nancy and, and Jonathan, yeah. uh, and Eleven. 
I suppose the eleven. Eleven the goes with the... so four groups. Well, she does. She does break off at one point. But yeah, but no, really, she's part of it. Yeah, so, yeah. so you got four you got, groups. You got these four groups. Okay. What's brilliant about the cluing is each one of those groups is getting different clues to the other groups. So as you're watching the story, you're getting all the clues, but they're not getting all the clues. Yeah. So when Ona Ryder's getting certain clues, like you're seeing Will is doing things with the lights and so on, like I a ghost. That was terrific. Right? Also, somebody, um, um, uh, um, in fact, it was Hannah. Mm. Uh, my wife um, pointed out that somebody had gone uh, to a Halloween fancy dress thing as the wall. So they had <laughs> lights on them with the, the alphabet wow. underneath the picture of the lights. That's quite cool. But I I thought that was terrific. Yeah, so yeah. There, there's this thing where the, where Will disappears and he seems to be able to talk to his mother by having by making lights, Christmas lights, light up one at a time. Yeah. Okay, And so she writes the letters across the wall and puts lights to each letter so he can talk to her. Now, I remember when I saw that, you don't know what's happened to Will. Yeah. And I'm thinking, has he become electricity? Is exactly what I thought. Like, is, he, <laughs> is he still corporeal at all? Uh, and then there's the scene where they find Will's body. And you go, he's, he's just a ghost now. And then yeah. the body turns out not to be a body at all and it's fake. And you go, what is going on? And then he turns out to be in, a, in the upside down. And uh, the, another dimension. And the, the tie-in with... Dungeons and Dragons, by the way, the yes. whole kids, the yeah. kids solving the mystery. I thought that yeah. was terrific. So everyone's getting these different clues. So when Onorite is getting all those clues, but Hopper doesn't see the lights. Yeah, no one else sees the lights. So she sounds crazy, but we know that the lights thing is happening, yeah. right? So, and this is all the way through. Like we see Elle do her telekinesis and all her psychic powers and all that stuff. Yeah, but no one else sees that. Elle does start off on her own and then goes with the group with the kids. At the beginning, she, right? she, yeah, yeah, she does. But I, yeah, I think you were right earlier. I think she very much becomes a part of she, that group. She becomes so, part of that group. Yeah. So she you, doesn't have. Oh no, I guess she does have a clue. She knows where she's come from. Yeah, she does. But like, she becomes part of the. the she kids. brings a clue to yeah. the group. Kids. So they, all, the kids, know stuff about. In fact, Elle would that, you? That no one else knows. Would you even go as far as to say L is a clue herself? She is kind of a clue, yeah. But it's fine. She's also a suspect, whatever. But. Anyway, so she's she's <laughs> she. So they've all got their own clues, and you're sitting there trying to piece all the clues together to build up a framework of what's going on. But then the Huffer brothers brilliantly leave Duffer. out Duffer. Sorry, the Duffer brothers leave out brilliantly certain things, so you can't put it all together just yet. Like there's another dimension out there. Like right. they they don't tell you about that for ages, and you're going, "Is he a ghost? <laughs> what is going on?" Right. And so, um, so there's all these great things where they, they, they tell you, okay, the thing you're wondering, which is where is this kid? Okay, L knows. L has the clue. Yeah. Because she was part of the government thing. You know she knows something. So you know that that clue is with L somewhere. And you're watching Hopper and he's getting closer in that way. So you can tell where the mysteries are, who has what part of the puzzle, and you start putting all these puzzle pieces together. And then they do it brilliantly, which is as you're putting them together, the groups are putting them together more and more until at the end of the climax, they're all together. Everyone knows everything. You know everything. And it's very, very, very satisfying. And it's worth... I was just thinking, you you know 
<laughs> you know this analysis is correct because if you go back, if you've, if you've seen the whole season, you go back and 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 remember how you were feeling as an audience member in the first, particularly episode two and three, when you start to see yeah. the groups really get to grips with their own clues. Right, deep within yourself, you are thinking. Oh, but if only they just met each other. If only they just told each other what's going exactly. on. But then you, but the brilliant, it's done very deliberately. And also, the brilliant thing is, you know, they properly motivate why the characters can't just share things. Yeah. Because what they know is so crazy, no one will believe them. You, you know, like there's a re- you uh, totally understand why Winona Ryder isn't going to share the whole. There's the lights talking to me. Like, you know this because it sounds crazy, and she knows it sounds crazy. But we also know it's really happening. Okay, we also know that like um, the kids, they can't. L doesn't want to be found out, and we know the kids don't know this. But we know that if L is found out, someone's going to come along and kill the kids. They're in danger. Right. So in a way, we don't want them to tell anyone because then the. Like, they're going to get in trouble. It's great. So it's, it's just this great thing. On pause on that, because just thinking about it, each of the, like, the major clues the, um, the, the writers gave the characters were given to almost um, the perfectly wrong characters. Yes. Yeah. So, L, yeah. this escaped uh, experiment yes. gone wrong, um, or gone right, really, yeah. um, ends up with the kids. Yeah. The kids can't do anything. They're just kids. Yeah. If, it, if, she, if Ella had ended up with an adult or with Hopper, yeah. then Hopper could protect her and do something about, do it. Something about it. The kids, they're just kids. They just can't do anything about it. Um, um, yeah. The lights. The lights going to uh, the mum. Of yeah. course, she's uh, she's frantic at the moment. Yeah. She's lost their son. She's just going to appear crazy. Yeah, exactly. So they, they've really, they really worked out it's it's really brilliantly done. How it reminded me a lot of uh, the Danish, uh, the killing, the killing, yeah, uh, for Bridleson. The first season of that was just brilliant, and that one was one of those things where they kept giving you suspect after suspect after suspect. <laughs> but that's clearing that's a suspect, bringing you episodes? twenty episodes, twenty, yeah, and so it it. But that that show was excellent. But that show they had two major groups. Oh, for clues. They had the political side with yeah. uh, Thrall's Hartman, who I loved, and they also had the cops. The victims didn't really have that many clues. And it was just, it's, it was very sort of procedural. Boom, 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 a straight line. And the joy of the killing was you kept trying to work out what actually happened. Like, the, the mystery of what happened on the weekend to the girl, that's why it's called The Killing. Mm. Right, or in, at least in Danish, for Bridleson means the crime. Like what you're trying to trying to work out the events that happened on that day. It was more than just the who. Yeah, it was. It wasn't just who done it. It was what really happened. Yeah. How did this come about? That the intricacies and everyone was involved in it. So you're watching it spiral out. And the killing fundamentally is about how crime just destroys people's lives. Mm. You watch the first season, and that season is. Is is it doesn't matter if you catch the person or not because the crime inherently destroys people's lives. Like you, it's just too bad. Like what he, what happened? It just it's gonna. Everyone who's involved in that, in 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 from the police to the politicians to the victims, everyone involved in the in the case, their lives are ruined because of it. So it's like an uh, ironic ending, isn't it? Yeah. So they catch the killer, but but. So this, uh, th- that's how that worked over that time. Uh, murder one. 
which was also <laughs> great, similarly did a, a thing, which is like, you have a suspect, exonerate the suspect, have a new suspect, exonerate the suspect. And as you do, the suspects, uh, the clues around them and everything deepen and deepen and deepen. But Stranger Things is this sort of, uh, gl- like amassing a, piece, a series of puzzles all together. And you're just kind of like putting all these pieces together and you get, it's just, it's really brilliant the way they did it because you don't get bored knowing stuff that the other characters don't know. Mm. you know what everyone knows so in a way a lot of the characters know less than you that's really rare normally the detectives know as much if not more than you but in this case you actually know more than the people trying to solve the mystery dramatic irony and mystery there is yeah in a way there's a bit of dramatic irony i suppose i mean we don't know the full picture i mean that we don't know the picture, but we know clues the other one doesn't know and then you're watching it but you're piecing it all together and so they just in those eight episodes they they just knew how to pace out those eight episodes it reminds me a lot actually of the first season of Fargo where Noah Hawley just knew I can't tease this thing out for more than X episodes I have to pay this off it's that kind of thing it's like we can't the eight episodes they have are very very lean and they just know okay this thing then this thing then this thing then this thing and boom and they they did it so well which is why I think people really loved the show. Like it, it did really well. Lean is is certainly the yeah. right word. It's and just, also, I'm, really I'm glad really you mentioned the the awareness uh, yeah. of a writer to know just how long you can tease an audience for yeah. before you have to give them something. Something, and it's um, and and the great thing about it is because they knew where their mystery's going, they can afford to pay things off. Yeah. See that that's the thing. If you if you don't really know, if you don't have a satisfying climax to your mystery, you can't pay things off. You have to tease because the mystery is what's enticing. The solution isn't interesting. Um, but if you have a really that's that you see, you know those locked room mystery stories, uh, the those impossible murders where sure. someone if someone's in a locked room, they're dead, but they've been shot. And it's locked from the inside, and there's yeah. no bullet, there's no gun, there's no how how did they die and all that stuff. Those mysteries, the fun of them is the solution. It's like a magic trick. The solution is so brilliant. Yeah, that's the joy of it. Finding out how you did it. When the solution isn't interesting, and you're trying to get people going by the mystery, at some point you've got to pay it off. And when if you do, and the mystery isn't interesting, people go, "What was the point?" So when you have a really great solution, they can afford to build up the mystery as they pay things off because they know the solution is really good. Whereas if the solution is rubbish, you can't pay things off. You have to keep ju- you have to just keep pushing up the intrigue until you get to the confusions thing, which is what Abrams does. I have a question yes. about Stranger Things. Yes. Um, uh, I'm going to ask. I, I think I have half an answer. Are there any parts of the mystery that they don't clear up? That they don't pay off I don't think so I think everything is everything that we want to know is resolved there's clearly more to know but there isn't anything we are going well that didn't make sense or that wasn't explained there's things that the the end of the show could be the end of the show it it doesn't need a second season no no. But it can have a second season if it, if they want to. There's enough. There's an. Uh, there's enough left with the upside yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, that we could find out. Like we don't know much about the upside down. Yeah. But and we don't know what's going to happen with Will and what he's vomiting yeah. and all that. So there's those kind of things like oh I wonder what's going on. 
But at the same time, we don't have this burning need of, oh, I have to know. It's just, that's really cool. If they go there, we can find out. But Another question. What do you think Hopper was doing at the end? He seems to be working for the government, right? Right. And leaving stuff out for L. Yeah, that yeah. was that was, cause it was that was the food that L liked, wasn't yeah. it? At the end, sure. So he seems to know about L and stuff. So L's mm. alive. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was in the upside down. Yeah, that yeah. that that was my my. It seems like so they've left a couple of like uh, questions, but they're questions of hey, in the second season we might resolve them, but at the same time they feel kind of like I kind of get what's going on. Yeah, it's it's like a resolution as opposed to cliffhanger or whatever so yeah it's just satisfying they just do it well uh, they just <laughs> did it right and it's really great to see that for once do but, you think they picked um eight episodes on purpose do you think it could it was initially planned for more and they thought you know what why don't we just trim it i have no idea uh, for all i know netflix said you, you only have eight netflix right. offered them 13 and they went we only need eight uh, who knows Maybe they, they had a production problem and they originally planned 10 and they had to cut it down to 8. Yeah. I have no idea. It was, only, again, only because 8 just seems like such an un, uh, an unusual number for um, such a strange number. Um, uh. um, considering the other Netflix original series, I'm there, particularly like the Marvel ones. The Marvel ones are all 13 episodes, but I also know that the Marvel ones sag after the Marvel eight, ones should episodes. be eight episodes right Luke Cage I saw Luke Cage after I saw Stranger Things and Luke Cage so painfully painfully wants to be over by episode seven or eight yeah painfully the last few episodes of Luke Cage I have never been so dismayed and bored at a show because it was so much fun at the beginning it, I mean it wasn't great but it was a lot of fun yeah and then by the end I'm just this is ridiculously bad so I mean that, that just brought the question. Way, way worse mind. than Jessica Jones. Worse than Jessica Jones. Way worse than Jessica Jones. At the end of it, like Jessica Jones, I really liked. It sags and then at the end kind of picks up. Yeah. Boom. This one, it just great, 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 plummets off a cliff. Wow. Yeah. It it's at uh, the end of of Luke Cage. It's almost I can't believe the people who wrote the first six episodes of Luke Cage wrote the last six. Really. Yeah. I just can't believe it. it it's wow. I can't believe how poorly it went, and it's and I I don't get I, I I say I don't get I know why it went wrong. I don't get why no one writing the show. I it, I genuinely think it could be one of those things where the people writing the show just were given a big bowl of shit that they had to eat, <laughs> and they couldn't do anything about it because, man, it, it just it seems curious, particularly with the, the Marvel ones, because I know um, the I mean the first the the first Daredevil season was was pretty good. Mm. Um, I do remember it sagging in roughly the same yeah. place, but Jessica Jones had that big problem where yeah. it, it sagged after eight yeah. or nine episodes, um, and then um, Daredevil two came out, and yeah. so I think you'd you'd said much the same problem, but magnified. <sighs> yeah, seven or eight just drops. All, all four of those show. Marvel Netflix shows, they all have the same problem fundamentally, yeah. Yeah. which is they have no good villain. Right, but this yeah. is a whole other subject. It is yes. Um, <laughs> But back to the episode thing. It, yeah. uh, the point you made earlier, I yes. just wanted to reiterate that Stranger Things is just so lean and yes. perfect and nourishing yes. because of it. Yeah, it's it, it, it it's um, just as it gives you the answer to a clue just before you get bored with the teasing, it ends just before you get bored. Yeah. Everything about it is just so tight and lean. And you were talking about um, 
something that's also tied to the cloning, which is yes. scene transitions. Scene transitions. I noticed this during episode six, which is the yeah. monster, um, the monster, which was uh, on balance probably my favourite episode. Yeah. Um, uh, because it focused on the fun part, the monster. Mm. Um, and you you find out where the monster came from. You find out that um, L made contact with the monster, which yes. is just a terrifying scene. Yes, where she's just walking. Up. But hold on one second. On. I just occurred something. People at home, <laughs> if if I, if you want us to, we can talk more about the problem with the Marvel Netflix villains. If you're interested, it's not a subject we thought about talking about, but I, now that we brought it up, it might be something people are interested in. So if you're interested in hearing about that, let us know. We'll talk about it. Otherwise, I don't think we care enough about those shows to talk about them. <laughs> but if you want to hear about those things specifically, tell us and we'll do like a podcast on those. There is a blog, actually, um, a regular blog on a uh, website. Um, what is it? I think it might be Script Mag. Mm. um, which is a great website collection of interviews and blogs Um, Mm. but uh, there's a regular blog on that where somebody goes into detail um, about the Marvel villains but the films not. oh yeah the films the films are a different thing but actually this is true for anything because we we do sometimes sprawl a bit on our subjects if we ever bring up something that you want to hear more of you should just tell us because we don't know (laughs) Uh, we we pick things at random basically We, we try and be a bit Random, how dare you? Yeah. Don't insult the process. It's true. I have, a list, the chemistry. I have a list of things. So do I, but at the same time, so which one should we do today? Well, uh, this one. Unless it's like something like, oh, Doctor Strange just came out, let's do Doctor Strange. Sure. Anyway, sorry, you were saying about scene transitions. Uh, scene transitions, yeah. Uh, it was episode six. The um, monster. The monster is where I noticed it. Um, mm. And then, uh, casting my mind backwards, I realised that they'd done this the entire show. Um, and once I'd noticed it, it was it was so obvious that they did it in in um, episode seven and eight. The just this is a combination, I think, of the writing and mm. the uh, editing of the yeah. show. So the transition between scenes there is generally, I think, probably ninety percent of the time, unless there unless it's a hundred percent, and I've missed some of them. Uh, there is a strong uh, link between mm. one scene to the next. A thematic link or something. Thematic link. Um, so uh, the ones that I, th- I think are, are purely down to editing, um, there's a couple of really neat ones with music where yeah. you'll end one scene with some music in the background and then it'll cut to another scene when they're in a shop and the same song is playing yeah. uh, uh, on a radio yeah. in the background. Um, and they did that a couple of times in the monster. So yeah. they used the music one twice. There's another one where they do it just with the camera movement. Mm. Um, so they'll end one scene with the uh, camera panning up, mm. and the next scene will begin with the camera pointing low down, and it will still be panning up, and then they'll continue the scene. So I'm I'm pretty sure those will be down to editing direction. But with the um, the ones that could be down to writing, which is why I'm bringing it up now, because mm. obviously as writers we can't affect. You in can. a direct, in a direct way, we can't. You know, we can't guarantee as a writer we're going to be in the editing suite. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think this should true. happen. I knew. Yeah. I know you can. You can include these sorts of things in your script or hint at them, or or in prose as well, or in prose, yeah. which is well. I mean, I'll, I'll comics, come, yeah, 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 all yeah. kinds of things. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. so, you, you, you do yeah. get a lot of transitional choices. I mean, you, tra- transitioning between scenes is actually a really big thing. But you're right in film. Um, sometimes the directors and the editors will come up with ways of transitions because sometimes scenes get cut or trimmed 
Exactly. People losing yeah. lives and stuff. You don't. There's, you don't have there's full more control. people between you and the final product, right. yeah, so exactly. it does have. It makes it harder for those tiny specific choices of the final thing for you to be the yeah. choice. But yeah, can I? I made some notes. Can I run you just through a few scenes? Yeah. Uh, do you want to stop me when it gets painfully dull? Go. Or excellent. Okay. Stop. I, I, yeah. I, I set you up. I know. It's so easy. Skip to the end. Um. Okay. And there you go. Scene transitions. <laughs> go on. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, so this is for, from about scene three because the first couple in the episode are camera ones mm. but uh, these ones um, so uh, Nancy and Jonathan are back at um, her house having uh, mm. Nancy being saved from um, the upside down yeah um, and the last shot of the scene is them uh, lying on the same bed and the bed clothes have uh, flowers mm. and leaves on them. Mm. The next shot is of outside and it's trees that mm. are bare, no leaves. Okay. Um, they use the reverse of that in uh, in the next scene where they go back from... The scene ends with a shot of mm. trees without uh, leaves. Cuts back to the bedroom, but it isn't shooting at the bedclothes. It's now sh- um, uh, it's of the bed side on, and in the background there's a picture right. of flowers. So it's mm. kind of reverse, but a different um, uh, a different angle. There's another one. Uh, sorry, the next scene ends with uh, Jonathan saying to Nancy, "Your mum doesn't knock." The mm. next scene is a woman knocking on a door. Yeah. Uh, the front door of um, yeah. of the teacher from the school. That scene ends with the teacher saying um, to because the woman's asking. Um, it's a woman from the government. Yeah, uh, she's trying to pry and find these kids, and yeah. so she's presented this fake science program. And the yeah. teacher says, "Oh, I have a few kids in mind." The next shot is of the kid. Uh, yes, one yeah. of the kids. It's a Dustin. Yeah. Um. So we're 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 now there. That scene ends with um um them concluding. Right, we're going to find eleven. Mm. Cut to eleven. Yeah. Um. And it's a shot of her. So it's it's references like that. They use dialogue a lot in this episode yeah. to, um, uh, to do that. And the next one's an interesting one. I think um Matthew Modine, the villain, says, yeah. "Today we're going to make contact." The next scene is um, uh, eleven again, but she's totally on her own. Right. So we go from we're yeah, yeah. contact to There's opposite yeah. of that, her, her on her own. Mm. There's another one. I thought this was a really interesting one. This scene ends with eleven screaming, mm. and the camera's very deliberately on her face, and she's got this big white um, whatever. Yeah. In fact, I think it's when she screams into the um, into the lake. She's out on her own. Uh, yeah. Not a, a, a small pond. Yeah. She oh, looks yeah. at her reflection. She screams, screams. into it, um, uh, and is a deliberate shot of her with her mouth wide open. The next scene starts with uh, Nancy's little sister, the toddler, mm. being fed, mouth wide open. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another one which is a camera, ca- just the yeah. characters walking in similar directions. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it it goes on, but that's you know, pr- that's most of the. Episode. Yeah, you're you're right, and they do that a lot in Stranger Things, and it's they do, and it's not that obtrusive it can be but it's not in Stranger Things and I think uh, the reason for that is because um, it actually aids the cluing because it makes it easier for you to follow which scene goes into the next it does, it, it, all, all the clues are broken up but because they seamlessly transition from one scene to the next using all these little devices that you've la- listed out you you follow a lot easier 
because you you dovetail things together, you piece things together. The transitions make you piece things together. So as you're piecing things together visually and audibly, you're piecing things together in your head because you're inherently connecting this group of characters with that group of characters. Yeah. So everything constantly feels unified. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, that everything seems together. Right. Despite the clues being everywhere. Yeah. To give you that added sense that things are going to be okay in the end. Yeah, they will come together. Everything's holding, everything's tied together. It's not disparate. So that way you don't lose the focus. Because a lot of the times when people do these sort of multiple POV type shows, you go, wait, hold on, what's this person up to? Right. Why is why am I? Why do I care about this guy? You know, that's the kind of Game of Thrones thing where you're going, wait, why am why do I care about the kid that can see through wolves? Why is that a thing? <laughs> Why am I? Why am I listening to that kid? I don't. What's he got to do with anything else? Why am I listening to the woman with the dragons when she has nothing to do with anything? <laughs> you know, you you do, it doesn't. There's no connection between them. Yeah. So Stranger Things, it keep make sure that look, all of this is connected. Keep all of this in your head. Build, 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 build. Clue, 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 clue. Seamless transitions and climax. And it's not. It's Before not this. I mean, scenes transitions great. are important. It's not that they're necessarily integral. Um, it's just that they're done no. used very neatly in Stranger Things to make you feel. Yeah, like most most shows wouldn't do that. They'd have much simpler transitions. They'd yeah. cut to establishing Actually, shots. I remember um, Heroes did it quite well in the first season. I yeah. noticed uh, uh, some pretty nice it, scene transitions. It, it seems like you want the transitions to be really like if if you start doing these kinds of transitions, the what you're telling the audience is everything is linked. Yeah. That's what you're doing, right? So if things aren't linked, <laughs> it becomes really obtrusive. Yeah. Because then you're going, oh, look at me. Look how cleverly I transitioned between this scene and that scene. Ooh, look at that. Da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, and then you get thrown out of the story because you went, oh, did you see how they cut from this to this? Yeah. That's, that's not what you want. But when they do it, when it's really seamless, that kind of technique draws everything together but not everyone wants to do that. It's not, it wouldn't, it, it's, it wouldn't be appropriate. In every it wouldn't story. be appropriate for every story. Plus the world that you're in, they, they're more, sometimes a world is more, this is a sci-fi mystery show. That's really small. It's a really small little show yeah. about a very small town and all that stuff. It, you wouldn't, the house of cards would, doesn't want this kind of transition. No, it's not like, Oh, house of cards. Every transition should be that. It's like, you wouldn't want it. It would be really, really off. House of Cards to do that because House of Cards is a very sort of big th- story with lots of things going on and if you try to s- link everything together people be what's going on and they get distracted by the scene transitions and they yeah. wouldn't pay attention to what's going on it's about it's a question of focus it would that would draw people's focus I think those kinds of really sort of clear oh not clear uh, very clever scene transitions would probably yeah. be distracting in something like House of Cards or better call Saul because it would, it, I mean, with Better Call Saul, for example, it would make everything seem too meaningful. Right. Right? But Better Call Saul isn't like that. <laughs> okay? Whereas Stranger Things, everything is supposed to be like, there's a big thing underneath that's going on here. So everything, every little action feels like it's got these big re- repercussions that will happen later. But Better Call Saul, it's about, it's a very, like, um, what's the word? It's a very sort of... Um, almost ephemeral thing it's just a very tiny turn in this character's morality so it'd be really bizarre if every action he had had enormous significance (laughs) it wouldn't work Um, I know we're slightly pushed for time but did you want to bring Hopper up? oh no 
I just really like David Harbour. He played <laughs> he played Hopper brilliantly. I think for me, Hopper was. I really liked. I thought the kids were amazingly good. I I I thought they were all excellent. They were so good. I, I don't mean just the kids. I mean the, everyone. The, whole, the cast. Everyone was, was great, bad. but for me, I loved Hopper. And I'd I been loved t- Hopper. I, I'd been told David prior, Harbour was great. I'd been told prior to watching the show that um, that Winona Ryder was very very good. Yes. Uh, and boy, was she. She's really good. Yeah. The, the, they, well, the thing is, they have a really good script, so they have they can act. Sure. They can act. They have things to act. <laughs> There's actually stuff for them to do, so they're really great. But this, uh, but for me, I mean, the the one is the kids are the kids, right? Mm-hmm. So of course you haven't seen them before. This is their first big gig. Yeah. Winona Ryder, she's great. Yeah, she is great. She's a movie star. She's she's great. And I've never seen David Harbour. I think I saw him in like an episode of Law and Order once or twice. That's it. And I'm just like, that guy is. Brilliant! I loved him. That's all I have to say about it. Hopper. I just loved him. Um, he's got you know, a couple of dimensions, and he's just great. I well, I have nothing to add. No. Yeah. All right. So, Stranger uh, Things. Yeah. Let's um, let's just sum up then. I made some notes on the way through. So um, okay. Uh, if I just bring them up, mm. we'll just round these topics off. Um, uh, first thing we mentioned was audience and mm. the audience being intrigued and not confused. Yeah, you want them intrigued. They want to. You want they. They need to know what they don't know. They need to know what questions they're supposed to be answer, asking, and they need to have in their heads. They need to know the answers you've given them. You don't want to just confuse them, which is just throw things at them, and then they don't know what they're supposed to be asking or what anything means, and hope that that their enthusiasm will carry them through because their enthusiasm will carry them through and then eventually they will get bored. And fundamentally, when you do pay it off, they probably will not be satisfied. You'll have your hardcore audience that loves you for some reason. Fringe people love their fringe. I don't get why, but, um, you know, it's... Don't just confuse your audience with random questions. The questions, the audience needs to know what they don't know and they need to be able to follow it. So you intrigue them. Intrigue means they, they are asking questions and they are looking for those answers. Confused is, I don't know. I can't wait to find out what the next thing is or whatever. That's not... that's Not, not the same. It's not satisfying at all. Um, okay. Developing your mystery. Yeah, you progress your mystery. So the, it, the, it progresses wide. It progresses inside the characters' lives. It becomes more and more deep. Uh, the girl on the train progresses deep, for example. Yes, which I think we should save for another podcast. Yeah, but I'm just so, saying, give an yeah. example. That progresses deep into the characters' lives. The clues are in the backstory and so on. Yeah. Um, so you progress the story and you can think of it like this. Could this clue that I'm giving the audience have come about in Act 1, Act 2, or Act 3? If the answer is it could come about in any of them, then there's something really wrong because that means your story isn't progressing. Yeah. So you want sort of Act 1 clues, Act 2 clues, Act 3 clues, and then you want that wonderful thing where you gave someone a clue in Act 1 and they didn't realise that actually this is a different type of clue. Or whatever. Can we just pause on that for a second then? Because mm. um, I meant to ask you earlier, but it was too soon to, to bring it back to Stranger Things. But mm. uh, can we just think of a quick example of those in Stranger Things? Is there a clue that comes later that just wouldn't have worked early and, I don't know, vice versa? Oh, yeah. Um, the fact that uh, Will is in another dimension. Right. Is a okay. big clue. If you put that in Episode 1 or 2, that kills... All the mystery of where what's happened to Will, 
but by hiding the fact that he's in another dimension, but showing that he's still alive in some way, we have the... Is he a ghost? Is he pure electricity? <laughs> what's happened to him? Is he actually in the walls? What's going on? Yeah. And then when they go, he's in another... Like in the, in the upside down, he's in the mirror of this world. And you go, oh, now everything makes sense about how he was able to do that. That's the things. insight. I was, I was thinking, yeah. just as you were describing that, what tremendous insight you get. When they drop that clue and you're like, yeah. he's in another dimension... Oh, that's that why sense. he did the lights. That's why he could yeah. come through the wall. That's yeah. why the creature was doing that thing. That's why he told his mum to run yeah. because he can see where the creature is and the creature can walk between the walls. And, yeah, because uh, it's the flea, right? It can go around the trapeze, around the type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's the kind of thing. Like, if you gave that away too early, that would be a problem. Uh, another great clue that couldn't come uh, uh, earlier would be um, the fact that the body is fake. That Will's body yeah. is fake. If Will's body it shows up and you know it's fake within episode two, then again, you're left wondering, well, what's going on? But at this point, when the body shows up, you think, you've already been thinking, is he a ghost? Yeah. Then they bring the body and go, he is a ghost. Oh, he'll never come back. Then they go, it's fake. And go, well, where is he now? And the, so it builds up. Um, and then there's other clues that they have to put very early on because you couldn't put them uh, later. Um, such as uh, what was what was the one I was thinking? Well, the lights, for example. The lights. That's a clue that has to come in early, so that later on they can pay that off. Yeah. Um, the uh, other clues would be things like um, uh, uh, the uh, the shack where Will is hiding. Oh sure, uh, Car- well, Castle Byers. Yeah, yeah. that or thing. Byers. Uh, the Demogorgon. That's a clue. You don't realise it's a clue, but oh, it's the, a clue. In the first episode. Yeah. The, the... the idea that the way to defeat the monster is by having one of the party cast fireball. Right. Right, which is essentially what happens at the end. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That, That's a clue that you, if they put that later on, you go, oh, I get how they're going to kill yeah. the creature. You see that? If they had done that later, you go, I know how they're going to kill the, dem- the, the creature. But by putting it at the Dropping very beginning, right before beginning. you even know there's a monster. Yeah. You you go ah oh, okay <laughs> that kind of thing okay nice uh, thank you um, oh and a hopper uh, hopper having a lost his kid that's a that's a big thing if you'd known that earlier that would have been rubbish sure so things like that you get a, you they they hint at that earlier on you get a they? sense that he's lost his family but they you don't know that, exactly they what's raise going that on, question yeah. almost as a kind of mini mystery yeah and then they, what they pay that off later so yeah yeah and things like that yeah. um. Third note I make was don't trick the audience. Oh, that's when we were talking yeah. about Sherlock Holmes and um... yeah, don't, don't just um, trick the audience by um, concealing a clue that would have solved everything for them. Like if you've got the the big clue that gives it all away, throw it at the beginning but hide it. Then the audience <laughs> won't mind. But if you hide it completely and never tell them it's there. And then go, ha-ha, here's the clue. They go, well, how was I supposed to work that out? That's not right. fair. So um, just to give uh, an example, um, uh, Fringe uh, did this. In Fringe, the premise of Fringe is that there's X-Files things happening. And they've called it the pattern. And the reason they've called it the pattern is because it looks like someone's experimenting with people and doing all these weird experiments. And that's what the X-Files things are. Someone's experiments fine um but they never explain what the pattern is and then later on they reveal that the pattern is just the random effects of someone crossing the dimensional barrier so that's not a pattern 
Okay, so then you go, well, the reason I thought it was a pattern is because you said it was a pattern, but you just hid the fact that it wasn't. Whereas if you, they had bothered to set up, this is what the pattern looks like, and then later on went, it's not a pattern, it's actually just all random distributions from a certain point, then you'd be like, ah, you see what I mean? Sure, sure. So the the twist should deliver yeah. insight. So uh, yeah, for, uh, the turn that uh, I was just thinking particularly with the yeah. The, the um the body being fake. Yes. That's not a psych out on the audience. No. That's not a ha ha ha, it was a fake body. No. You go, okay, it's a fake body. <gasps> oh my god, the government have yeah. faked his death to try and cover it. Like, yeah. it exactly. gives you how much they more. know about what's going on with him. Is he a ghost? Yeah. Exactly. The, the what you do is the audience will love it. They love you if you do this. If you take that clue and you throw it in their face very early on but you give it to them in a way they don't realise it's the clue, then you go back and go, yeah, you didn't see the real clue. <laughs> you go, <gasps> brilliant, right? That's the fun of Sherlock Holmes and things like that when they go, when they go, huh, I've noticed this, this, this clue, like this, the the the, the, the wedding ring is like this, or there's a tan line, or yeah. there's this. And then back, back they go, no, the tan line was because not of a wedding ring, but because they were on holiday and they have a flight ring because they're a pilot. And you go, ah, oh! you see what I mean? Yeah. So you, you go back and you say, you missed the real clue. Uh, whereas if you just go, yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to tell you there's a tan line, and then at the end, Sherlock goes, oh yeah, I know it's the tan line, and that's how I knew everything. What? How, how was I supposed to know that? <laughs> that's not fair. I've just <laughs> I've just realised that Ace Ventura 2 <laughs> does that. <laughs> Which, come on, respect. What does Ace Ventura 2 do? Uh, I can't remember. When he meets the villain for the first time, he's got um, uh, white on his shoe. Oh, yeah. And he interprets it in a way and does his big. Yeah. This is what it is, and yeah. I, I can't remember the exact um, the exact speech. And then later on, when it's revealed that they're the villain, yeah. he realizes that it's actually bat droppings, which we've yes. been in contact with the whole way through the movie. Yeah, and right. Uh, yeah, and it's it turns bit, out to be guano. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Ace yeah. Ventura two. Excellent that, clue. That's all. That's all you need. <laughs> um, the next note I wrote down was uh, spreading out the clues. I mean, this is specific to to Stranger Things. Or, yeah, or plots of this nature. Yeah, well, th- in this case, you've got all you've got different pieces of the cast have different pieces of the clues, and you're putting them together as the cast is putting them together. Yeah. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, you have one person who has the detective has as many or if not more clues you're only getting the clues from one source yeah so it's just what the detective tells you this is you. just a, a combination of like yeah. th- this is a multi-protagonist story yes that, that's a mystery like yeah. it wouldn't be the same if you had you know a single protagonist yeah if it was just from Hopper's point of view you wouldn't do it that way uh, yeah and then you and you, and, the, and then you have the problem of how does Hopper find all the clues which is can be really quite difficult sure but then in this case the difficulty you've got is making sure that each of the different points of view is as intriguing as each other point of view because if one of the points of view is really dull and that has clues then the audience is likely not to pay attention to those clues and get annoyed whenever you cut away to them yeah so they each have their own difficulties but if you do it they can be very satisfying um and lastly transitions yeah the way they do the transitions between scenes keeps your mind focused and your segueing from one piece to the next and so that works with how you're putting the clues together and it fits very nicely yeah lovely so that's strange things excellent all right again (laughs) yeah maybe okay skadoosh bye